little madhouse. Cheers to Cheers. episode three. Episode three. Episode three. Jose Cuervo, silver, tequila. Dr. McGillicuddy's down the throat. Ooh. All right. Oh my God, give me a second. <laughs> Today is Monday, February 1st. Happy February, boys. 7.56 p.m. And Jared Goff is our starting quarterback. I will never forget where I was when I heard the news. I was drunk <laughs> on a Saturday night, standing in our apartment hallway. And Alex said, did you see what Evan texted in the group chat? No, I did not. I look Evan has the news. We traded Stafford. So what was everyone's instant reaction when you heard the news? Alex, we will start with you today. Um, immediate reaction while I was pounding down Taco Bell late on a Saturday night. Oof. I love Jared Goff. I don't know if I love him as a football player, but I love the guy, Jared Goff. And that was my immediate reaction, and I was extremely excited about it. Um, my gut initial reaction was hate. Double hate, capital H, hate. I hated it. Right, My first reaction, right when I saw that, Adam Schefter sent a notification to my phone only. I was like, Evan, tell me spread the word. I hated it. I, I didn't like it. I didn't want anything to do with it, and I wish we never happened. Wow. So uh, maybe our brains work a little bit different where you guys start analyzing the trade. My brain was like, wow, this is weird. This is happening at 10 p.m. on a Saturday. And it happened fast because – it feels like, like, I don't know what timeline I was expecting, but I didn't think the deal would get done this fast. I was not ready for this. I felt like I was caught with my pants around my ankles when this trade came through. And then I'm not going to say it killed my buzz. It was like, I need to focus up, see what's going on right now. And then that quickly led to just brainwashing myself full of good vibes from alcohol, watching Jared Goff highlight tapes, not low light tapes, and be like, wow, I think we got a guy here. <laughs> And then I woke up, and then the other part of my brain took over, and I started to look at it from the bigger picture. I'm going to puke. <laughs> We're going to get four. I'm going to puke. What if we get one? I'll puke. Let's talk about it. I'll what, puke what if we get one? I might take my shirt off. I'm nervous about all this equipment. If we get one. I was trying I have, to plan out my moves. I have nowhere to go. Yeah, I'm just going to be happy. So what, what does everyone think before we come out of this commercial? Uh, well, so I think two. So I'm going to go back to Tankathon because Toronto had like a 9% chance to get a top pick. Orlando was oh, – Orlando got screwed already. They were supposed to be the third pick, third highest odds. They were tied OKC's out too. They didn't get top four either. Don't they have two picks? No, they have Houston's pick. So they don't have it anymore. So, yeah, OKC's out. Cleveland's up there. And Toronto came from seven. So it's Cleveland, Toronto, Detroit, and Houston. But so isn't Houston, it still – isn't it still Minnesota? Isn't Minnesota still in this mix? There's only four teams. Oh, Houston, Detroit, Cleveland, and Toronto. That's it. So I think Houston's getting one. We're getting two. It's got. That's no, no, because Houston's already had a superstar. They had a chance. Mike so, Gott says they want Houston to this, So do the percentages still matter? Because it says Toronto has a 7.5% chance to get the number one overall. Yes, that still matters. Or no, now is it, is it a 25% chance? No, no, no. It's still that. Who's left? Cleveland has an eleven percent. So Cleveland, we still have Cleveland will not get the first pick. There's no they way they have that a can million happen. times. They can't happen again. If you know what, if Cleveland gets the first pick, I think it's rigged. it's not rigged because that is like True. pure random. Why would they want? That why would they do it again? Good. And they blow it every time. 
Didn't they, they tried to find Anthony Bennett Jr. Didn't they draft LeBron once at first? It worked once. <laughs> they blow it every time. They, they, didn't win. they didn't win during his draft tenure. They didn't win until he came back. Clearly. So they did blow it with LeBron because he left them. And you love him for it. How about that guy at the gym today? That's unbelievable. Are you just trying to deflect from yes. clear nervousness? That's why I want to talk about Ben Simmons. I'm I actually think nervous. he'd be a good fit. He might be. But we, if, if we, we have Kate, if I, I don't want If him. I post this clip of like Ben Simmons like come to Detroit, people will absolutely come with pitchforks at me. So I'm, I don't know if I will. I'm telling you, that's how the site That's a soft move not to post it. But also, like, Evan, he, don't look at your phone. He's just. Are you his, out of the commercial? No. No. We're not either. We gotta we gotta communicate here when we come back, boys, so we know we're at the right spot. Just make sure no one has notifications on. That'd be a really big buzzkill. My phone is underneath the couch. All right, we are. They're doing the graphic. We're coming back. And now I'll tell you when I see a human being. It's still just sitting. All right, I see Devin Booker shooting. Is Devin Booker shooting? I yes, I'm like right on. Okay, so we're there. So yeah, okay, we'll be good. He looks like he's gonna go for 35. (laughs) We could have had him, as Evan said. Damn. He would be so awesome as a piston. Kate Cunningham would be awesome. Get DeAndre Aiden off. No. No one cares about I'm excited for this game. Everyone cares about the teams that they're trying to get better. Oh, gosh. What if she, like, we have no volume. What if she just asked him, like, DeAndre, who do you think is going to get the first pick? They're asking about it. No. They're asking about him on draft night. Oh, okay. He was the number one pick? Yes. I forget that. Remember they got bounced by Buffalo and he got paid to go to school there? Shout out Sean Miller for keeping his job. Wait, no, did he get fired? Yeah, yeah he, he got fired. Just, but he survived it for a couple years. See, there it is. Oh, so that's an order of most likely to probably. Yes. You know, we need to go back to a new logo. I don't like our logo. That's another logo. Our NBA, Dust. not shot Michigan Sports. Our logo is Fire Flames, the Pistons. Okay, here we go. Oh gosh, I'm nervous. <laughs> Did you see in that that tweet you sent us? Alice? So which one is he saying? Four or one? It's gonna go from four. Four. It's us. I can I tell. Think... <gasps> oh my god! Top three. Is that the first pick? No, that's no, not no, the first no, pick. no. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! It's the Raptors. Was the fourth, folks? Cleveland. Oh! Dude, top two. Top two. Top two. Come Wait, on. So now it's gonna be first. Now this is first pick. This is first pick. Number one pick. This, this is second pick. pick. They said second pick. No way. No way. Yes. We got the first pick in the draft. Tate Cunningham. We did it. We did it. We willed it. Dude. We, spoke we did it. Look at Ben. Look at Ben. Yes. Oh, my God. We're going to be good. We're going to the postseason. Look at, look at. Look how happy Rachel is. Look how happy Ben is. Oh, my God. We did oh, my God. It. We actually did it. Oh, my God. We actually did it. Yes. My God. Ben Wallace needs to be our GM. Oh my god. It really happened. I can't actually believe it. Oh my god. Evan, great call. I did not. I thought that was the first pick. Oh. I turned the volume on. Oh, that's so huge. I should have. I forget. They usually do it the opposite way. They usually go first, then second. But I turned the volume on just to listen to it. And they said with the second pick. Oh my god, we actually won. Ooh. The NBA wants us Ooh. to be good again. It's Ooh. not rigged. It was all never rigged. So now we don't need Ben Simmons? No. Oh, we have Cade Cunningham. It's a guarantee. We can buy his jersey. Wow. Watch there us, it is, boys. Watch us draft Evan Mobley. Oh, God. 
No, Troy would do that. It feels so good that our podcast just spoke this into existence. Dude, we really we did. Single-handedly spoke really? this into existence, and we're the reason the Pistons have the first pick. Right before our podcast, I said I was going to do one tankathon, yeah. and whatever it was would happen. And I hadn't gotten Detroit first at all. Detroit was first. He did say happened. that. It happened. But also behind the scenes, like between us, I was like, dude, I think we're going to get six. I, I've been doing think, a lot of I, I wasn't confident. But you, Dan Campbell, willed that to happen. And now we have a super. My heart's racing. Team. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, I hate to be that guy. Let's just enjoy the moment. But like, what if we draft like Jalen Green first? <laughs> Are we going to be on board? Nope. Nope. I will uh, I'll burn the shirt. I'll be pretty upset. But as Grant was, you know, sitting there while I'm watching intently, he's just like, oh, this game's not even close. This game's not even close. It wasn't. But it really wasn't. And Michigan State, you know, punched him in the mouth and it was awesome to watch. Literally. I don't mean that it's good that Io got punched in the face. That's It was a figure of speech for all you soft Illinois fans out there. But... You know, great game. Uh, Langford with an absolute man performance on the boards, 15 and 16. I mean, impressive stat line. Yeah, awesome game. I'll uh, I'll chirp Illinois fans at the end of Michigan State segment. I don't want to do it quite yet. Why? Just do it now. Do you want me to chirp them now? Yeah, go ahead. All right, I guess I can do that. <laughs> Illinois fans, I understand that your fan base is sad and that you don't win a whole lot um actually never won Chop. never won a national championship haven't won the big 10 in i think like 16 years haven't made it to the sweet 16 Chop. in 16 years so i understand Chop. you're upset you're not used to being relevant so when michigan state unranked bubble michigan state punches you in the mouth literally and figuratively i can understand why you'd be upset but you lost the game because you played bad. You played soft, and you looked terrible. And your coach, you know, you reflected how your coach was coaching. Slick Brad. Bad. Slick hair Brad. Worried about other things. Also, uh, shout out number 15 with the super long name on Illinois. Vishanis Vishili or whatever. Vishanis Vili. Yes, him. Mm -hmm. Screaming at his bench, let's go, firing up the team, and going down, having a great opportunity for a dunk and just getting stuffed by the rim. I mean, I thought you deserved it, so that was hilarious. Illinois fans are soft on Twitter, saying that Maddie Sissoko should be ejected from the Big Ten altogether and should never play basketball again. Clearly, you've never watched a basketball game before. So, yeah, you guys are just soft, and, uh, you know, maybe if you start winning, you won't be as soft of a fan base. My first one, I'm going to go super specific and then probably go like a little bit more broad. This one is like this. I might be the only person that has this one in the world. For some reason, I don't know when it started. I think in college, it's bugged me so much when you'd be in a conversation with someone. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens enough where it's like, this is annoying. Someone will say like, I woke up or I did this at 7 a.m. in the morning. AM <laughs> means the morning, my, my man. You don't need to say 7 a.m. in the morning. It's already explained that you're in the morning. I think Evan's thinking if he does that or not. Yeah, I, I'm, I think a I lot, probably I, do. I a lot of people do. And I probably have too, so I'm probably a hypocrite. But then like, oh, we're hanging out at 8 p.m. at night. Like, no, no, no. P.m. is at night. If you're saying we're hanging out at 8 p.m. tonight, that's fine because you're saying tonight, not tomorrow night. But if you're like, catch yourself, if you're like, hey, uh, 
like, well, I, I got food at 8 a.m. at night or 8 p.m. at night. It's like, no, you don't need to say that at night part, man. It's just p.m. It's already explained. So really dumb doesn't hurt anyone, but just grinds my gears. <laughs> to me? No, to uh, Fred. To know if there's a snake draft in it. Uh, so uh, this is probably my biggest one. You know, that was a fair point on the snake draft. I shouldn't have made that joke. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just, I just let people like you just in one ear, out the other. But licking fingers, like when you have <laughs> messy fingers and you're Come sucking on. on them. Come on. Oh. Add us next time. Will you add us next time? I will. I will. I'm aggressively. Like, licking fingers. Licking fingers. Like, for example, Grant's the guy that's sticking his finger in the, I'm not trying to at you, but Evan told me to. So sticks his finger in the peanut butter, puts it in his mouth. No, I have never put my finger in peanut butter jar. I use a spoon. I am not well, an animal. Out. All right, fine. Other people so walk, do walk it back, walk it slowly Other back, people, so you make Evan mad. Walk it slowly back. Anyone that has stuff on their finger, use a napkin. It's very easy. But one of my friends love to do just stick their fingers in their mouth and go at it like animals, and it's just. So it, good. It's one of the grossest things I've ever seen. It's it sounds disgusting. You're licking your fingers like a child. It's just so gross. Good. I I cannot stand it. And anyone that knows me <laughs> knows that I hate it. And I hate that noise more than anything. So that that's probably my biggest pet peeve on the planet. And Evan is very guilty. I am, but like Cheeto fingers. Oh yeah, God. That's the Dorito worst. fingers. Oh, get those terrific. fingers away from me. You just get done eating actual wings, wet not the boneless wings, wet wet You just get done, and you just you got sauce on your fingers. And bathroom, wash your hands. No, the only thing, so Evan's, many the only thing Evan's guilty of, and that is guilty of a good time because it tastes so. Yes, good. absolutely. I'm sorry, I like food. Yes. Yes. Me. sue me, but I don't need to see it. And I don't want to see it. Look at it. Close your eyes. I, d I try to. Well, stop. <laughs> no, you love the pain. You like to look at no. people. You, no. You, no. You love looking no. at people with their fingers deep down. No. no, no, no. No. You can't look away. You're not doing it. No, but you don't look away. Like, yes, like, I do. It's oh, disgusting. I want to see that and then tell you how I hate it. But deep down, I like it. No, it's gross. <laughs> okay, Add it to you. Uh, my next one, I think everyone can agree. I'm not going to say slow drivers. I'm going to say the oblivious drivers. Okay. The All drivers right. that don't understand, like, driving etiquette. Um, You know, you're in the left lane, and you're going one mile per hour faster than the person in the right lane. Like, come on, buddy. Speed up to pass them and then get over them. Just because you're going one mile per hour, so like, oh, I'm going to pass them. No. Get going. <laughs> I am on your ass. Get off the tracks <laughs> when the train's coming through again. Yep. Because I got places to be. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tired of the slow driving. Shout out my dad. He doesn't go over the speed limit. He is the 71 mile per hour guy passing the semi. It's like, come on. Get it going, dude. Wow. And then it's like the, just like the common sense of driving and like knowing like if you're parked on like the side of the road. It just happened last week. I'll give you a great example. Love it. I got a haircut. It was probably two weeks ago now. Got a haircut. And he's like, you know what? I would want a smoothie. I'm going to go to Tropical Smoothie. Treat myself. And this Tropical Smoothie location is the worst location, <laughs> I think, in mankind. The parking lot is not big enough. And, like, you can only park in, like, four spots because otherwise there's, like, an angle when you pull in, there's a sidewalk. And so you can't get the angle to pull in the rest of the parking spots. And so I pull up. 
pull into a parking spot. There's a girl that parks directly behind me, just in the driveway. I'm stuck. I can't get out. <laughs> and she puts it in park and just sits there. No. I was stuck. I didn't get my smoothie. It was too backed up. Traffic was everywhere. I just got so pissed off. It's the oblivious drivers to me. Not a pet peeve. He just throws his hands in like, what? Am- I can't go anywhere. <laughs> what a helpless feeling. Um, let's do, for me, this one I definitely was a gene pass along thing. I definitely got this from my dad because he hates it. And maybe I just learned it from him. I was like, oh, like my dad hates that. So maybe I hate it. I despise whenever I have to repeat myself. Like it's, and it's not even like people's fault sometimes because sometimes you just legitimately can't hear someone. But like if I'm like, I'll purposely, if I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm like in a different room, it's kind of hard to hear. Like I'll just like stop talking sometimes because I know like I'm just going to repeat everything I say because it's too hard to hear. And I don't know what it is. It's like you say something, you, you give the energy of talking and they're like, what was that? And it's like, I just really don't want to say it all again. Like, especially if it's something longer, you're like, you know what? Just forget about it. Like it was never said. You miss it the first time. You're not getting it again. Usually I do cave and repeat myself, but I despise it every time. Fair. I've seen you freak out on me about it before. So I, I know I how mad like, you I already are. said it once. You need me to say it again. Yeah. So my third thing is, uh, so like say you're with a group of friends and you're driving everyone and the people in the back are all complaining about your driving, but they never drive the group ever. Oh. So you're always doing the oh tasks. So this is like back, back no, seat. No, no, no. I will not accept this. I will <laughs> not accept this coming from you. I will not accept it coming from you. I can backseat drive, Evan, because Wait, no, I drive no, no, people no, no. all the Before time. Before you get this off your chest, I have something to say about this issue. Do it. You're always the one to drive because you hate sitting in the back seat. You have to sit in the front seat so you have your leg room. That's why you always not about leg drive. Room. That's why we make fun of your driving. I will not accept this pet peeve of you. That you bring it on yourself. Number one. Vetoed. I agree with Evan. That's wrong. Because number one. You're wrong. I don't like sitting in the back seat because I uh, I get car sick. So. What? Oh my God. What are you, four or nine? Well, that happens. <laughs> number man. two, I drive usually because my car is bigger than everyone else's. So that is not really my fault. Not a big deal. When I, we drive far places, no one has a car that can hold everyone. So then I get end up driving. And I wasn't even calling you out. I wasn't saying, Evan, that you were one of the people that No, complained. he didn't say that. I didn't. No, no, I'm not You just felt like personally attacked. You bring it upon no. yourself. I don't think so. Because I think people should be grateful when I'm doing <laughs> them a favor. And they're just not. They just complain. <laughs> we should bow down that you decided to risk I just don't it think it's fair to have someone be like, dude, why didn't you turn left? Dude, why haven't you gotten gas yet? Dude, why won't you pull over for me to get McDonald's? Oh, dude, why didn't you drive everyone else then? Why Why am I driving if you I had so many things I think you, you just could have said backseat drivers in, in general. But it's like, not about backseat drive. Yes, it is. No, it's, it's about that. Because like, you don't drive. It doesn't have to just be driving. If someone is doing something for other people and those people complain about the way you're doing it, but they won't do it themselves, that that's what annoys me. Yeah, but I think that's overall, it might be too specific, but like, you've definitely been a passenger in Oh, I'm sure I've complained. Cars. I'm sure I've complained. I know. And it's fair to say, like like you're saying, on long road trips, you're typically the one that would drive the most, most of the time. That's why I think it's fair. Right. But it's then the people who never, ever drive, ever. But that's, there's, I can't think of one that really has never, ever driven and then like talked crap in the car. I'm not going to name people, Grant. This is, that's rude. I was saying it's an overarching thing. When someone's doing something for you, you shouldn't complain about it if you're not going to do it yourself. If someone has never, ever driven a car, 
that you've been in, then fair. Like if they ever It's talk. not just about cars. That was my example within my overarching thing, but you guys took it very personally because you felt like maybe you guys complain sometimes. I don't think I really complain about your driving ever. I don't say a word. No, and I've complained about yours plenty of times, and you lost your mind. That might be one of your pet peeves, honestly. It was an honorable mention, because I thought it was just so obvious no-brainer, and we just covered it here. Yeah, so it's not that I care that they're complaining about my driving. It's more so that if you want it done your way, then just do it yourself, and don't rely on other people to do it for you. That's fair. That's really the overarching thing. But I'm glad I got everyone hot and bothered. You have a problem with constructive criticism. No, that's completely, completely, completely (laughs) No, that's what it sounds like. No, no. If they're not doing it themselves, they can't complain. Like ordering in the drive-thru. If I order your food and I didn't hear that you said something, you bitch about it for the next two hours that you got something you didn't want. Oh, sorry. You should have just been driving and done it yourself. Well, if you ask me to repeat myself, then I might take a problem (laughs) with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Evan's third one. That was going to lead into my next question. It just seems like there's been a lot of lists that are hating on Jared Goff a little bit. I was just wondering your take on Jared Goff and if if he could theoretically be a top 15 quarterback this year or or is that just no chance? And top 15 would be tough just because I do think that, you know, there's a lot. And when Sean McVay is willing to move on from you as aggressively as, as they did for what is an upgrade in Matt Stafford, but not a significant one, I do think that's very telling of what, Goff is capable of and what's got what Goff is capable of without McVay. I mean, it's a joke on NFL Twitter how much of a puppet you know he was with the strings that McVay was pulling. But I mean, does that mean Jared Goff needs those strings? And if given more freedom, what does this Jared Goff look like? I don't I, I can't imagine it's a train wreck that some are projecting. Like I do think that Jared Goff with the experience he's had in the NFL is not going to regress to what we saw his rookie season. I think a lot of people think that a lot of people think, you know, you know, his one year without McVay with Jeff Fisher, he was an absolute disaster called a bust by many people. Then that's what we're going to see in 20, you know, this upcoming season. I, I, I'm not behind that. I, I don't think we're going to see that bad of a Jared Goff. It's not going to be as bad as what we saw from maybe Carson Wentz last year, who I thought was maybe arguably the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. I do think Goff, is better than that. Is he a top 15 quarterback? Maybe he doesn't get there. But, I mean, the Lions are going to benefit. I mean, not necessarily benefit from a draft order perspective, but they're going to see, you know, they'd see more wins than a lot of people are expecting if Goff is even a top 20, top 18 type of quarterback in 2021, which easier said than done with the receiving core. But I think another underrated part of the the Lions is that offensive line. Like, that offensive line is showing, you know, showing up to be one of the more competent ones. I think they're going to see some second-year development from Logan Stenberg. Um, I think they also have really good tackles, obviously Panay Sewell being added there. I think there's they have an underrated um, offensive line if DeAndre Swift can progress as well. I think there are more question, you know, there are more question marks at receiver, but still, I, I do not think they should be as hated on as maybe some other medias are, are, are suggesting. Yeah, I mean, specifically too, like, and again, we will also, the beautiful thing about the sport is we'll get to see you when the season plays out. But the one on the list Alex was talking about was was beautiful for this show. I, like, we loved it because it gave us something to talk about. And guys fired up. It was uh, from Bruce Gradkowski at PFF. His, uh, and it may have, his list may have changed, but it seems like you're more on our side because on that list, Jared Goff was 26 in the league. And all of us were like, well, are we just way off on this guy? And... You know, think about, like you said, top 15, because you see names in the top 15 on this list. Like, I don't think Jared Goff necessarily is going to be better than Justin Herbert by any means, or your Tannehills, who's gotten better. I mean, even Stafford, you know, like Jared Goff's not in that tier. 
But when you see some names like Justin Fields and Taysom Hill, Winston combo and Wentz, like we start like, is that really where he's going to be at? And it just kind of goes like, I don't know in your perspective too, is like this massive shift that's happened from Jared Goff from 2018 when they were dominating. And I just think back to the chief shootout game, the Vikings game, and then we landed here and it's like, there's a, he's a different guy. So it, kind of that progression, like what do you, what do you really think is like happened there? So, I mean, I think a lot of it is Sean McVay is well aware of what his ceiling is with Jared Goff mm-hmm. from, an off- uh, from an offensive efficiency standpoint, from a big play standpoint. And that is what drove him to go chase another guy. I don't think it was necessarily him afraid of his, the floor. He was afraid of the ceiling. I mean, and I think that's the same thing the San Francisco 49ers saw. When Jimmy Garoppolo was a competent quarterback, same as Jared Goff, took him to the Super Bowl. But you know what the ceiling is with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what the ceiling is with Jared Goff. And I think when you talk about the roster construction and, and trying to build you know, Super Bowl competitive teams, you can't win a Super Bowl consistently. And that's the goal. People forget. The goal in the NFL is not to win a Super Bowl. The goal in the NFL is to win, to be consistently competing for Super Bowls. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, obviously Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, those are teams that consistently competed for Super Bowls, and those teams obviously had Super Bowl competent or Super Bowl competitive quarterbacks. That's not Jimmy G. That's not Jared Goff. And I think that, that the NFL as a whole would agree to that. Obviously, the coaches respectively agreed to that. So they went to go chase a higher ceiling than Matthew Stafford. So with that being said, you know, the Detroit Lions don't care about Jared Goff's ceiling. They know that they this roster isn't good enough to win with Jared Goff, and they're aware of what his ceiling is. But his floor is going to make this team a lot better than I think people think. And I think that's where... The national narrative has completely destroyed Goff because um, you know he did not play the expectation. He was traded away from you know nothing, and they got two first round picks. I mean, they got you know with Matthew Stafford and stuff. I do think that um, the national narrative has dumped on Jared Goff wrongfully, and that his floor is still good. He's going to be better than the Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston combination, in my opinion. I think he's going to be better than a lot of rookie quarterbacks this upcoming year. I, I think the Denver Broncos situation is obviously worse than what Jared Goff brings to the table. So I do think that you're going to see. It better than what people expect, Jared Goff. However, that's still going to be a team that you know barely scratches over five, six wins. Got it. Uh, Alex and Evan, throw it out to you guys for any of your last ones before I get my last one in here. I would say one more interesting person. I know you touched on him a little bit with the offensive line, but DeAndre Swift, is he able to be top 10, top five, like PFF grade this year with the offensive line and his ceiling? Absolutely. I mean, I think what's great about running backs too is a lot, there's a lot of volatility with, you know, grading and grading well. A lot of it is dependent on, you know, opponent box count, how successful your offensive line is. And, you know, to peel back the layers a little bit on how you grade well as a running back is forcing his tackles, gaining yards after contact, and really you know, gaining yards above expectation. I think DeAndre Swift was our number one back in that class out of Georgia, really liked what he could do. And his force was tackle rate at Georgia, in my opinion, was not – a just number because there were so many times on his tape to where he was beating people's angles to a point where they couldn't even, you know, attempt to tackle and he couldn't even log a force miss tackle. So I do think that we were higher on DeAndre Swift than a lot of others were as well. And I think that's another situation where rookie, you know, rookie coming in with a lot of high expectations with zoom classes and, and a COVID impacted season, it's very difficult to live up to those. You're going to see a lot more confidence from DeAndre Swift this year. You're going to see a lot more confidence from the Detroit Lions coaching staff from him and obviously a more improved offensive line. I would not be surprised if DeAndre Swift is one of the several kind of like reasons to turn the Lions on type of players for them this year. Mm-hmm. My final question kind of leads up or follows that up a little bit. Who do you think the best player on the Lions is right now? 
man, that's tough. I mean, I want to think about I, this is a cop out here because they don't think he'll be the best player on the team in 2021. But the player I, I would, I mean, I would call like a core building block and the number one building block is Panay Sewell. Because I do think, you know, with the pre-draft process, we talk about Panay Sewell as this kind of once in a generation off of the tackle prospect, the guy that did things at the power five level at 18, 19 years old that we've really never seen. And I think he can be an Ogden type. But when you think about positional value, we have this conversation a ton of PFF is that, you know, Jonathan Ogden doesn't move the needle as much as you think it does when, you know, offensive line is largely a weak link unit and you're looking to have completeness, not necessarily eliteness along the offensive line. But I would say, you know, pound for pound or just, you know, throw the positional value out the window. I think he is, you know, objectively one of the, if not the most talented player on this Detroit Lions roster. Offensive line, however, the developmental curve in the NFL, you oftentimes see no players take one, two years to really progress. Tristan Wirfs is an obvious outlier. But if I had to pick a player to have a, you know, a Tristan Wirfs-like type of season, I think Sewell is more than capable of that. All right. So the final one here before we let you go is talk to all the players, talk to philosophy. And everyone likes to give them, and they're usually never right. But if you had to put a win-loss prediction for the Detroit Lions in the first ever 17-game, 18-week season, what would it be? I think a lot of me wants to float around this six or seven win. And because we're on a Detroit Lions podcast, I'm going to go more positive. I'm going to say seven and uh, what is it? Seven and 10. Yeah. Seven and 10 in regular season, I think is where my mind goes. And I think that's going to shock people. That's not a good season. You're not going to the playoffs. But that I think will shock people. I think they win seven, you know, seven games this upcoming season on a 17 game schedule. And uh, there are going to be teams that go into Detroit or uh, have Detroit come to them. And they're like, man, they're up, you know, they're, you know, seven, 10 point, you know, favorites. But I think they're going to take some L's, man. I think this coaching staff is different. I think this this roster has gotten to a point where it's underrated. Jared Goff gotten to a point where it's underrated. It's not a good roster. I spoke to that, but still, maybe not as bad as maybe how Vegas sees it or how others see it as well. Well, people can call it a loser mentality all they want, but I would take seven and ten. I would take you. <laughs> seven would be great for this team. That'd be nice. Another point I had that. I'm curious to see if you guys feel the same way. So I was, this is about the Pistons. Just bear with me here. I'm going to build into it. Mm-hmm. I would call it an existential depression. I kind of went through a little bit last night. You know, I was laying down. Uh, I watched like nerded out here. I watched like all the drafts. I like to love drafts, but the draft overall sucked compared to the NFL draft. Cause like we talked about how they leak every pick. Like I should have just yeah. refreshed Twitter the whole time. Shams, and, coach, everyone was just And also the analysts were so bad, except for shot Mike Schmitz. Mike Schmitz was good. And Jay, I like Jay Billis, but like, I don't need Reese Davis and Kendrick Perkins just standing there. I do not need Kendrick Perkins telling me who to draft because he doesn't do research. He's no. just up there like... I do love Jay Billis, no. though. Love that guy. Yeah. I mean, I like Jay on college, but also Jay, I don't think, has a great feel for how everyone's going to translate to the NBA. Like, I, I liked... I don't know. Anyways, the whole coverage was like... And they say every pick's great. Like, no one questioned any pick. Anyways, besides that... So, I suffered, I suffered through all of that. It took forever. And then I'm like locked into my phone last night... Uh, on free agency and then like I see we signed Kelly Olynyk, we signed Trey Lyles we signed Corey Joseph back the I'm like, Canadians I'm like laying down late at night I'm like Grant like what is the point of all this that you're doing not not the podcast like I like this but I'm like how locked I am I'm like Detroit sports in general like we're so playoff starved I'm like I'm 
refreshing my phone, putting on push notifications. Like for what? We're debating, we're analyzing this whole team to miss the playoffs again. And we gotta like, look forward to something. We're gonna be back here a year from now having this same discussion, like, oh, what piece did we add in free agency to maybe make the play on tournament again? Like for the Tigers. Oh, who are we gonna sign in the summer to like miss the playoffs um, again? It's like Grant. I'm telling you, I went through one last night. I was like, what is this all even the for? The Pistons are signing a max player next summer, and the Tigers just said today. I don't know if we're talking about them or not, that they're going to sign a bunch of big-name guys. So next summer is going to be do you, But do you guys – And we are going to make Do you guys playoffs. ever go through that, though, where you're like, what's the point of all this, like, sports craziness? It's like – For five we minutes. Just and then I right tell now. myself that I'm doing this because eventually we will be on top again. The Lions for the first time. Is that it? Is that what I need to just snap myself You just got to know that, like, every team goes through highs and lows. But you're it's going to gonna... have bad years. You're going to have good years. I've... And everyone finds a cycle, and everyone ends up winning. I think it's just especially bad right now is, like, the whole state. You can even throw in, like, Michigan into the mix as well. Well, I'm glad they stink. Is like, And you can throw in Michigan State's football team as well. And basketball last Four year. It's like guys. we're just in such a bad state in the whole sports landscape. Yeah, you watch it, dude. Michigan State basketball. Had okay, one okay. Bad year. I, I'm you're taking it way too personally. I'm just talking about like you know what I'm. You get yeah, what I'm saying. though. let's not. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's saying just, you're being too negative. I don't. When's the last year we made the playoffs in any Detroit sports? The Red, was it the Red Wings? Was it the Pistons? Box. Pistons box. We were the eight seed. We got swept. It's like, got dude, swept. it's been over five years. I think. Like we're so bad. Not a minute. The whole landscape is so bad, and it's like. We're grinding out, sweating out Kelly Olenek deals at 6.30 p.m. on a I am not on sweating out Kelly Olenek deals because I don't want him on the I team. also was not sweating. Right, that. but we're, no, we're paying attention to it. We're giving it our brain we power. We're thinking about Give it. Give the people yes. what they want. But yes, like, we, I was diving in, and I'm still diving in. I didn't even know like half of the like the free agency moves, and I'm still trying to figure out where everyone's going. Did I have yeah. Twitter notifications it's, on for every single free agency? I mean, it's something right. that we do, and I guess something we love. Because without Sports Grant, we, I would be... A sack of potatoes. So that would boring. be unenjoyable to hang out with. Nobody would like me. The couple months of COVID with no sports, I was just absolutely miserable. I think that has to do with myself. I think that's a better point than like we'll be good again one day. Like I don't really believe that. Sometimes I do. Uh, you're negative. I do believe that. Like I just don't know what I would do. Like would I just get into like knitting or like kung fu? Like what hobby is going to replace? Knitting. Well, what's going to replace sports? All right, grandma. Am I just going to read books at night? Like, what am I going to do? You're going to watch TV shows and watch movies. And there's so many people in the world that don't have any interest in sports, and they're fine. Not that many. No, there's a lot. Are they fine? Are they fine, though? Psychopaths, I would say. No, I wouldn't say that. Are most? Not most. There's a lot of females that don't care about sports at all, and they're totally fine. Are they, though? They don't even notice. They don't even blink. Well, you also, care about the Kardashians. Which is better, sports or Kardashians? I guess I mean, I'm should, not saying sports is bad. No, I, I'm girls just saying are, people are – Girls are different about – Girls get more, it, no problem. I'm saying more like guys. Girls are wired differently. Their genes are different. Their hormones are different when it comes to sports. They just don't feel it the same way we do. I'm saying – feel it inner. I'm saying <laughs> majority of guys out there have at least a decent interest in sports. And if I wasn't one I of them – I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't be friends with you guys if I didn't pay attention to them, I feel like. We all met in kindergarten. I think we'd be friends. I don't know, man. If I was like, I don't know. If you didn't have any interest in sports, <laughs> I don't think we would like be that close of friends. No, I agree, hundred percent. Well, we're also a little different than most dudes. We're like 
full-on sports center at age five. Like and what show. for? For our teams to not make the playoffs for the last five we're, years? We're I'm like the, the obsessed type of sports. I'm going There's through plenty of people it. that don't care as much. I'm going through it. It'll be fine. Well, they need to start caring more, and that'll get our Detroit sports teams out of the graveyard. If everyone just cared more... Evan, they're on their way. Dude, out. there's I'm something just being said. Similar to how I was thinking when Barstool started, like Boston went on a dominant stretch, and they already were good. But like some were saying that the Shaw Michigan sports beginning, things have been looking up for Detroit sports. We had acquired ourselves quite a weekend. Henceforth, therefore, Sunday was travel day. Wasn't really going to be feasible to record. Um, so let's just not beat around the bush and let's just get into that. How was everyone's weekend in Miami, Florida, Miami Dade County, the 305? Love the weather. It's a 305. Ivan? Weather? I, you want me to go first? I, I just love the weather. But yeah, you got there first, so you lead off first. Yeah, well, I did get there. Why? Well, I, I think it, first out of us three, not the first out of the big group. Right. Um, shout out Drew, who landed there at 10. Oh, he was saving our spot at the bar when we showed up around 1. Just a great overall weekend. Thursday was, you know, kind of relaxed, you know, get to the house, enjoy everybody's company, wait for you guys to arrive super late. And then Friday, it just took off to the extreme. And I think you've got progressively, what word do I want to use? Like, um, liability, um, Progressively dangerous. Chaotic. Dang- dangerous is the word. Way? I was like trying to give a word that was anti reckless. anti-safety. Reckless. I think reckless is a good word. It, it got reckless, more reckless it, as we went on. Yeah. It did. Because oh my gosh, Saturday was mm, uh, Friday was super fun. Went to a club. I did not fit in. I felt awkward every second I was in there. Yep. Um, but it was fun. I can say I went to a Miami club. Yep. You went to a nightclub. So, story was what yeah. it was called. Right? Probably be one of the last times until, you know, I'm actually older where I look at the bill when you buy two drinks and you're like, goo, that's a hundred dollars. See you later. But that was fun. Friday day. Friday day was the uh the beach bar. Friday day. I had a jumbo oh. I had a jumbo <laughs> margarita that knocked me into my seat. Those things uh <laughs> they put us down, you know, pretty bad. No, I think it put me up. I was I was feeling it. Drew showed me a video. I don't remember taking it. So, you know, those huge fish bowls, whatever you want to call them. The fact that we ordered two, we each all of us were like, yeah, two for one. We can drink these. And they came out. These were like 90 ounces. It's like a two liter. Yeah. I'll, I'll separate myself from the group there for a second. That was one of the smarter things I did. I, they didn't charge us for them. Don't worry. Right. I was actually curious about that, what they did do. But I looked to the person sitting next to me on my left and I was like, hey, there's, I don't know how big these are. There was no photos, but I know they're going to be massive. Just like it said, like world's like largest, basically. They, one of those claims. So I was like, why don't I just get one and then you take the free one? And I think that was the move looking back on it. Yeah. I mean, there was like a two liter of booze. It was wild. Hey, Wilkins finished two of them. So shout out him. Well, not well his first one wasn't frozen. It's cheating. Oh, asterisk. Also, asterisk. Uh, trust tree here. Not that. You know, hundreds of people listen to this and and DK probably will. But I made a, a little proposition with them that revolved around him finishing two 
of these frozen things. And he wasn't going to anyway, so I don't feel that bad about it. But I never told him. When he went to the bathroom once, I poured like a quarter of mine into his. So like he got back and it was like back full. And again, the first one knocked us all back in our seats. He didn't really put two and two together. Like he looked at it when he sat down from the bathroom. Looks at him, he was like, yeah, Grant, there's just like no way I finished this. And I was like, yeah, Drew, I told you. Again, yeah, he, he I had to mine to go it. and I drank mine at the beach. Oh yeah, you did. That was a great move. I think I drank some of yours at the beach. Yeah, and then we went to another bar. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I like espresso martinis. Never had one. I took a big drink of Cody's and it was delicious. It tasted like what I ordered from Starbucks, but with alcohol in it. And I can get behind that. Yeah. Club and then Saturday. It's actually miraculous we made it to the club. Was Friday our game of football in the pool that was more intense than the yeah, game we went down there to see? after the bars. <laughs> that game was sweet. I was just thinking about that. Like, what did we do like Friday afternoon before we actually went to the club? Oh, you know what? We all acted like we were 17, uh, you know, 16 and just played pool. We were in the pool playing football. Yeah. And I heard a disc in my back because I hit it against uh, the side of the pool. I was sore my f- the next day. My feet are also f- blistered. Yeah. My feet are destroyed. My toes have like blisters on them. Not as bad as you, Alex, but yeah. Back to DK. He slipped and fell outside of the pool on a, get off route by me and he has a he had a huge bruise like right here on his elbow yeah reckless it's honestly surprised dangerous no one, like smashed their head and got seriously injured. oh there was massive wildlife iguana lizard creatures in the backyard no thanks the, the no friday thanks. as well giant you know we're all from the midwest and i don't think any of us have really seen one up close and personal unless we're at a zoo and then now that you get up close and personal with them they're a little creepy Oh, they're oh, yeah. pretty. They're like the size of a toddler. They got those like like turkeys. They have those skin beards, and whenever a creature has a skin beard, it just really gives me the weebie. That was an absolute no for me. <laughs> All right, I, I think C Dub said it best. You know, he's like, I feel like I'm in the movie Holes right now, and that's exactly what it was. When that scene where all those like little yellow lizards uh, are surrounding them and they're poisonous, and you walk outside and there's just like two of them just sitting right there, like waiting for you. I and know. I guess I, I didn't see it, but I heard they can climb trees. I watched it, terrifying. Which is which is. Unfa- it's an unfair advantage that they can do that from Super above. Scary. One dropped in from up top. Oh my god! Also, I was just sipping my coffee, and someone's like, "Dude, there's lizards out here." I was expecting to come see like some geckos. Yeah, like the. And the I walk out and I see like a human-sized iguana, and I almost pooped my pants. So. <laughs> and then there was two of them. So, and no, I was just thinking no that thanks. the night before. Briefly, Thursday, the power was out at the place for a while, which was was funny in itself to watch how everyone um, battled through that. But one of our friends, uh, Cheese, was running around outside in the dark. And then I was thinking about that Friday when I remember that those iguanas lived out there. I'm like, what if one of them just snatched him when he was outside last night? Like That, that would be the end. You would never hear from him again if that happened. I can say they were definitely afraid of people because I charged one and just ran away. Don't hurt me. <laughs> Yeah, but I just didn't like him. I needed him to leave. Um, just too big. Evan, you said Saturday. Well, game. We'll get to game stuff when we recap the actual it's game. So Saturday night. I would say. Well, I would also just say Saturday after the game was pure, like a classic zombie mode where everyone was just needed to recover for several hours, and the heat takes a toll on your body. And getting that that uh, food delivery is just like all you can wait for and hope for. I mean, it was an early get up for Saturday morning. We believe it was at noon. So it'd be Friday night, you party into the 9, night, get up and do it again. Wake up at eight, 
No, you just like figure it out. I think I realized how much time we were kind of just all zombies when Evan, you kept saying, Oh, I just want, I want, I really want to see the, um, like Penn state run out. I got to make sure I'm out here for that. And I'm thinking in my head when you said, I was like, is that like an hour and a half from now? And then it was in 15 minutes. I was like, Oh my gosh, the night game is starting. Like, what have we been doing for the last two and a half hours? <laughs> just so I got everyone ordering different food to the, the got place. Got an important question for you guys. Yeah. So have you ever just, you know, been making like the perfect sandwich and then you go into the drawer and then you just have a moldy piece of Colby Jack cheese? That's how I describe Saturday night after a certain point, you know? Just everything was going really well and then just one thing spoiled a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Since I've reflected on that, Spoiling it was is a kind word. I'm trying to be reasonably well, nice. Well, hand up. I don't think. Well, it did get better for me quite fast. Um, Some of us uh, didn't get to you know continue to enjoy the night and had to <laughs> clean up the spoiled cheese. Here's where I'll, I'll land on it. I don't think the uh, hand up. The bar that I proposed was a swing and a miss. It was. I had been to Miami in like July. That bar was super, super fun or more fun than it was. I mean. There was the average age of people at said bar was like 45. So we just looked like idiots. we didn't fit in, but except well, some. So I will say, I didn't really think the night was going to go anywhere differently than I guess where it, like Evan said, ended up. But so, in a weird way, while it may have stunk for some people more than others, just me, really. Yeah. And, uh, and CP. Yeah. But, uh, it to me, looking back, it was memorable. Like it's a night that I will always remember. It's like, oh, remember that one time. Yeah. So I guess in a weird way, it's not the worst night that could happen. But yes, the the sandwich making process got a little messy on Saturday <laughs> night as the metaphor you used. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you take it too big of a bite and you turn out that cheese is mold halfway through. Then, 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 and bite just then you just hang. throw up endlessly. You know? But then there's some iconic <laughs> moments, you know, like you look back on those videos and pictures and be like, yeah, that was that was something. Um, let's hit on Mel Tucker. What a job this guy has done at Michigan State. And obviously, it's still continuing. It's going to be a very fascinating storyline just to see how far he can take this team. And like, It's almost like a changing of... You talked about earlier, Evan, how that play in 2015 changed the way, like history of college football. I almost think the blueprint Mel Tucker's laid out for a fast rebuild in college football could be changing a blueprint with a transfer portal. Like... The fact you have to, I know people write articles about it and the athletic has great ones, but like the praise that this man should get for just embrace he, from what I've heard, he built like a transfer recruiting department. Like there's three guys on Michigan State staff that all they do is Michigan State's football department is built like an NFL uh, front office. And that's like that transfer portal is free agency to them. And like, I think, you know, obviously there's probably teams out there that do the same thing that we don't know about, but it feels like they're like trendsetters in this space with how early and how new these rules are that he worked it the way he did. And the fact that they found a Heisman candidate in the transfer portal to help you win this game. Do you guys ever think after listening to like Mel Tucker speak and just like how good he is at everything that he could be a robot? Like sometimes I look at this guy and I don't know if he's like a real human being. Like he seems too perfect. I can't imagine what his days are like. I mean, he's like so laser focused on everything. And he just does everything right so far. I mean, I'm not going to say that he's going to be the greatest coach ever, but there's a lot to like through his first season in eight games or whatever. So his first 15 games. Yeah, I mean, 
He's been unbelievable. More than I could have expected. Way more. Evan? Yeah. And I've been like, oh, yeah, 100% way more expected. Yeah, you need to see. I was just going to say, I love D'Antonio and all that. But I mean, you don't have to compare him, honestly. I'm not comparing him. It's just, you know, I feel like I heard this and I thought it was a, a pretty good uh, take that Mel is kind of like saving how Mark D'Antonio ended his, his tenure. Because. It looked like it was going to be super dark for a bunch of years after Mark quit or quit, retired, whatever you want to call it. And then Mel is all of a sudden goes in the transfer portal and you got one COVID year and all of a sudden you're 8-0 and it's November 1st. And we're talking about Michigan State being in the top five in the college football playoff rankings, which is crazy. I would never have expected this. If someone told me this a year ago, I would have laughed at him. He, oh, you did predict they'd be 7-0. I, I don't did. Think they'd win this game. I did predict Michigan State would be 7-0 in July or something. I'm just really smart college football analyst. But, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know. I just hope that uh, Michigan State does whatever they can to keep him. Oh, we can't. We can't let him leave. Evan, do you think, like, because as a, as a fan, I mean, I can't say anything about it now, but, like, this whole, like, Mel Tucker has his, like, vision of, like, the brand and, like, all these, like, buzzwords of, the deep end, the woodshed, keep shopping. He's a phrase guy. Relentless. And, like, it just seems so corny and, like, weird. But, like, do you – I honestly think the way I picture this guy is, like, they went in the locker room and when they were down 30-14 and he says keep shopping, he has all these kids so bought into, like, how imposing a figure he is. They're like, yep, like, that's all we have to do. Evan, wait. Just – I have another follow-up question to that. Just you've been around him while he's coaching. True. Just can you just talk about his presence? Just like how does it feel to be around that guy? Does he just demand respect, yeah. demand excellence? You just want to be better when you're around him. I, that's how I assume it is. He, I mean, because I was a little schoolgirl, like you know, because I was there. Um, <laughs> but you know, he he walks into the uh, the practice facility, and all eyes are on him. Um, he is the face of the program now. He's kind of like co-face of the program because Kenneth Walker. But to demand to respect the intensity and the professional or do your job mantra, like every single rep, every single time, you have to get better. I think that's what he demands. Um, and I think the players, like Rain said, with all these catchphrases, they're bought in because um, obviously the players that weren't bought in, they're no longer on the team. And to get all those transfers, I think it was something that you had to buy into him because players won't be able to uh, visit. They didn't get to see anything. And so they're playing for the head coach personally. They weren't playing for the stadium. They weren't playing for the uniforms. They weren't playing for the campus. They were playing for the new head coach that came and said, we want you on our roster. We want you buying into our system. The job that he's done, I don't know – I. Can't think of anything that you can compare it to. Um, recent memory, uh, like the closest thing you could say is LSU and Joe Burrow. But I mean, that was like one guy, and a lot of the other kids were just highly recruits. And Joe Brady made that team, not at Ogeron. Right. Um, and I just think the big thing with Tucker, like Thorne said after the game, there's not a coach I would rather play for. I mean, he just, all the players love him. They all respect him. He gets everyone ready to go. They never, the team never thinks they're out of it. And this team, talent wise, is not even one of the more talented teams we've had, probably. There's been more talented teams in the D'Antonio era. 
And yet this team just finds ways every single week. It is mind-blowing. I don't know what that guy does, but I need his regimen. Make me a better person. So I swear, I just want like a day in the life. Of Can I just husband. follow Mel around for like one week? I'm sure my life would improve drastically. I think like it's a combination of like his, because you can't deny it, like his look, his build, like it strikes fear in you. And I also think like he made this comment that he had lost his voice. He says he only yells in enthusiasm. I think maybe Evan can confirm in practice that's not always the case that he does yell I'm when sure he's mad. But like, I almost think maybe as the season goes on, he just like almost gives us like, I'm just disappointed in you for not doing your job. Like, it's okay. like he strikes his fear, but then also like you don't hate him. You want to do well for him and you have to take him seriously because of how like put together and like like even when he was on like game day i didn't get to see it but people were saying like his just suit was so crisp the tie was perfectly knotted like the guy's a perfectionist and he never like looks disheveled or puts himself in a bad light in public and i think that probably like that detail and all that has to trickle down throughout the program his kids probably feel so much pressure to be perfect all the time god that probably sucks (laughs) um this is the parallel i want to draw i mean I don't think it's a reach. It's just, I don't know why it dawned on me. I was just thinking about the programs. I think we're watching like a Mel Tucker and Jawan Howard are kind of comparable figures right now in like the sports. Like if you think about Jawan came in, had like a, I don't know, not terrible first year. Um, It wasn't great. And then vaults them to like massive success in year two. And he's kind of that similar, like imposing figure has been around the block, like, has a little. Crazy. They both have a little swag element where they relate to the younger kids. Like I think we could be on this thing where it's like different sports, but in this, at least in our state, like Mel Tucker and Jawan Howard are kind of similar figures, at least in my mind, of how they're like revamping a program. Now the natural thing is like I think Jawan took over the program in a better spot than Mel walked into, so he had to do more. But also, it, it you can't work the portal as much. But Jawan worked the portal in year one and got. Um, I mean, he brought in a number one class a point guard and a, yeah so I, I think that's something interesting to just keep in mind like there is something to be said like cool coaches that have, that know what they're doing like that really is huge in today's society and i think we're watching like mel tucker do it evan would you take any other college coaches over mel tucker right now that's a tough question like if you were Please. starting now and you you get a guy i mean who, who you picking probably nick saban right <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i mean but let's Saban. say other than Nick Saban, because that's the obvious choice. How many coaches are you taking ahead of him? I can think of one for sure. I think maybe, and not, I really like none Lincoln, of them are for sure. I really like Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley was the name that came. I don't know how you do in the Big Ten, but I I think he's a genius. His offense is crazy. I love that. But other than him, it's hard to think of many. I mean, like I know people are trying to say now that Dabo's only good with a generational QB, but still, like what he did at Clemson could be kind of similar. Like they, Clemson was a laughing stock that always lost the big game, and he like Clemson's the blueprint. So I mean, Dabo, Dabo's up there. He's he's cringy. I I don't like him better than Mel. I think Mel's a easier to swallow person. But were those the names you were thinking? Evan's got a lot. I mean, you guys go around college football and look at the success stories. I mean, Lincoln Riley, yeah, Ryan Day. Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart. That was a Kirby disciple. Well, yeah, I mean, not coaching the NFL team. Oh, people forget this. He was, hand- he was an interim head coach, and he was in the running to take over an NFL franchise. He was handed a good situation, but like I think Ryan Day's a genius, and he kept the program going. He didn't fumble the bag, so I think there's something to be said. There. It's always it's always fun to take offensive genius head coaches. 
But if we're having this discussion, like I'm taking notes. Yeah, but but Ryan Day and Lincoln Bible was kind of like the same situation where you had this Hall of Fame coach in front of you and you kind of force them out because of how good this young coach is behind you. Otherwise, that young coach is going to leave and take over a different program. Mel Tucker or Urban Meyer right now? Mel Tucker. Wait. There's too much stuff going around with Urban Meyer, even in the college level. Right. I mean, I'm not speaking what he does in the NFL. I'm thinking Urban Meyer's a college coach. There's too much baggage there where, yes, he's won national championship, but there's too much baggage in – I mean, Mel Tucker moves around. Now, I know you hate too, James but. Franklin, but nationally he's liked. Is it is it Mel yeah. over James? He, nationally he's liked for no reason because he hasn't won anything. The only reason he is relevant is because he had one player, and we already talked about that one player. Crap. If he, he never had stayed at Barkley, he, he would still not. Title. He would not be at Penn State. Does he? Have, I don't know. If I wouldn't want him to start now, but does he stay above? If you're hiring a head coach, your athletic director. Are you hiring Mel Tucker or James Franklin? Well, I think James Franklin. So I'd hire Mel Tucker. Um, now, this guy I also don't like just because of the teams. But, like, I think Brian Kelly may have a case. Like oh, he's, I would be tough for me to do that. He's like – I know Notre Dame's easy to recruit to, and their schedule sometimes isn't the toughest every year because they're independent. But, like, he his program was in a dark spot under him, and he was able to revive them, and they've had multiple playoff appearances. I think he has a case. As much as I don't like him, he has a case. All right, Evan, now my last question, quick question. <laughs> Uh, if you're the athletic director of Michigan State, Mel Tucker's currently making around like five and a half million, with like six million in bonuses. The top ten coaches pay, I think he's thirteen. Top he's ten 13. is like in the seven million range, so it'd be like a two million dollar raise. Do you give it to him now or do you wait and take the risk that he might leave? Uh you give it to him at the end of the season, but you already had discussions going in like currently you always have or you already have discussions with him saying Mal, you've done a fantastic job so far, and we'd like to uh, give you the benefit for doing that and keeping you around. There's a video of Alan Howler celebrating awesome. on the field and his R-A-D enthusiasm awesome. towards the football program. Former former player. I think he played football. Yeah, yes, former did. player. So the comments I have in the athletic director now, um, I have confidence that he will do the right thing. And the more that they talk to Izzo about everything – because um, he's a assistant like the face of the university. There's no way he leaves, in my opinion, unless he really has a vision where he wants bigger and better things. But Michigan State has all the resources, and anything that he asks is going to happen. Would you make him a top five coach in the in college football if they won the Big Ten this year? You mean top paid? five? If we won the Big Ten, yes, absolutely. He, he, I would write. I'll give him a blank check and say, write your number on it. That would be. Based on the, it'd be about seven thousand seven hundred million that would slot him in, just above Lincoln Riley. Yeah, hey. But, hey, but also from that top, it's top. it's like it's like the NFL quarterbacks. Every single new year, there's a new high paid NFL quarterback. You just don't right. want to fall under stock. College football, every single year, there's going to be a new high paid head coach. Right, like just supply and demand to keep. Mel Tucker, likely he's going to need to be paid more than Ryan Day is making, and that's just like how the new quarterback gets his contract. That's just how it's going to go. I think I think Mel, at the end of the season, will get to close to the 7 mil, which would put him in front. The greatest win in sports I've ever seen in my life since 2004, since when the Pistons brought home the championship against Kobe and the Lakers. There's no better win that rivals it. If you're a Michigan, if you're a Michigan fan, if you're Grant, if you're Grant, I mean, it was just 
there's so many places to start. I'm going to try to do big picture stuff and a little bit of X's and O's. I'm not going to get into the future because we got to focus on the present and what we saw. And I don't want to bore people to death because half of our audience doesn't really care, although they should because, you know, it's a shakeup in the college football landscape of the Big Ten of everything. Could, it could, this could change college football for years going forward. Who knows what's going to happen? But really, I always thought in my mind, and maybe you guys felt the same way too, I'm curious, is like when, I always thought when Michigan – was going to eventually win this game because even though it felt like sometimes it felt impossible, they were going to win it because again, they're 18 to 20 year old kids. They're gonna they're gonna figure out how to beat a team. I thought it would be it would feel fluky in a way. Like I thought Ohio State would have a couple turnovers. Um, maybe a big call would be made by the refs. Maybe there'd be a block punt or a punt return. I thought it'd be one where Michigan stole it from Ohio State and Ohio State's still the better team. But what happened on Saturday was on that day, now I'm not saying if they played in the future on a neutral site out of 10 times what would happen. I'm saying on that day, on that field, they bullied them, and it was clear to anyone that watched that Michigan was the better team in the football game on that day. And that was stunning. That made it even better because there was no, there was no room for debate. There was no, though, this happened, so that's why like that was fluky. It was just like a total ass-kicking of a team that I always forget how much I hate. Because, because I'm friends with you guys, because my great friends are Michigan State, I spend so much time thinking about the Michigan State rivalry that I forget, like we have Wyatt in our chat, but Wyatt's not an aggressive Ohio State fan. I like Wyatt. He's like one of the few Ohio State fans. You don't fans. like us. No, I like you guys. Okay, but what I'm saying is like, I, like, I like a lot of, I like almost every Michigan State fan I've ever met. I like their campus. I like hanging out at their bars. I, when Ohio State rolls around, I actually hate every single thing about that university and like their fans and those idiot faces and Ryan Day's dyed beard. And he looked like a, he looked like the Michelin man out there on Saturday in his little two-tone jacket with those doofy gray sweatpants. And it's like, it felt so good to finally like humble him and to see him in distress on the sideline. But I don't want to get carried away with just hating on Ohio State because it should be more praise of Michigan. I think, in my mind, the, the two guys that had incredible games were Hassan Haskins and Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson. Obviously, I wrote down their names because they need to be said as Zach Zinter, Andrew Vistardis, uh, Andrew Stuber, Ryan Hayes, and Trevor Keegan. The offensive line, unbelievable. Looked like men against boys. I think when I knew, like, cause you, I guess you never really know how great your offensive line is or anything in Michigan until you play Ohio State, because in years past, they've gotten to this one loss and then just got embarrassed. But when the fight broke out in the uh, third quarter, when they just got right in the cornerback's face, and it's like, okay, these are like grown men that you're just not going to mess with on this given day, is when it kind of set in. 